You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. World Talk Radio. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. The power of water, your life, and water in your life, and global warming, climate change, which means your health. No one has ever discussed before how important the climate is on the earth you're living, this planet we're all sharing together, our health concerns, because we live with the planet and the earth. What is happening with the reflection of that, with its changing from the beginning of time for our health? Did you know that water is the most vital part of all of your health every day? You're made up of, all of us, of 50 trillion cells, those little tiny water bubbles all over your body, walking sponge, skin, blood, the brain, cardiovascular, lungs. We could go on and on and on, circulation, saliva, nerve endings, and more. You are, I am, made up of water. The electricity that goes through the air and all the power of all of it is, that is also the power of our bodies, our lives, our health, is the electrical side of what's in the air and our bodies and health and water. So this show is concerning your health and the power of water and how important it is to exist. I'm concerned you will become concerned. But the concern only means we're going to learn to live with this. Get excited. Learn to be a scientist all on your own. Don't make up your mind quickly. Evaluate. Create a theory. Go study and evaluate. Listen well. Don't make up your mind just because the person's tone. Think it out. What is best for you and all around you? So the show is made up of that every week. We have exciting guests from all over the country and soon the world. Today, we have Nancy Lang, who is a clean air coordinator for the Isaac Walton League, and you're going to learn more about that league. And then when our second guest is Mark Lowe, who's the executive director of the Lava Hot Springs Foundation out of Idaho. So we'll take a moment with that important sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, all natural for dry eye, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. You're listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water and Global Warming. And did you know that water, the impression, the importance, the impact of water from the beginning of the moment of time became a life, our lives? We're not drinking enough water. We're not thinking about the clean air that also affects the waters of the earth. We need more water on the surface of the earth to be able to put moisture in the air. And 
our topic today is going to be clean air coordinator, and I've been very much looking forward to this. Uh, Nancy, are you with us? I am, Sharon. Hi. Hi. How are you today? Good. Thank you. And you're sitting over in Minnesota? I'm sitting in cold Minnesota. Even though it's March, we're still in the 20s, but the sky is blue, and so that's that's a good thing. Oh, that's nice. Uh, now, Nancy, um, we're talking to Nancy Lang, by the way, listeners. And Nancy, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with the Isaac Walton League, and then your uh, mission, obviously, about uh, to inform and educate us all about clean air. The Isaac Walton League was founded uh, in 1922, so it's it's one of the nation's oldest conservation organizations, and it really began when a group of fishermen uh, saw that the Upper Mississippi River was threatened and uh, threatened by development and threatened by pollution, and decided to get together and do some collective action, and got a presidential proclamation to establish the Upper Mississippi Wildlife Refuge. And in doing so, they also energized themselves then to become an organization. They took the name of an old English angler, Isaac Walton, and um, exists to this day to promote conservation within local communities Mm -hmm. and also move public policies at the federal level that protect our air and our water Mm -hmm. and our soil and our woods. You know, I've heard about the Isaac Walton League <clears throat> for almost all of my life and never totally understanding the activity. Is it a very, uh, do they have a lot of members? The members are really spread out from coast to coast, um, and many of our members hunt and fish and are outdoor enthusiasts, wow. and so there are people that are very active um outdoors people. Okay. There are also people in the league that are very um, interested in community-based conservation programs, so like stream restoration mm-hmm. or um, tree planting or litter cleanup. So mm-hmm. they tend to be a very grassroots sort of folk and people who get their hands dirty and go out and walk in the woods and uh, paddle canoes and um, do all kinds of things to appreciate and preserve Nature. Well, it sounds like uh, the Isaac Walton League's uh, foundation and original movement was, like you said, and correctly of me if I'm wrong, it's a grassroots, which means it starts right at the base of a community. Mm -hmm. It must be people who are living in that community who love their outdoors. I know we're in, uh, Nancy, we're in Grants Pass, Oregon, in southern Oregon, and we've had an Isaac Walton League here forever. And their contributions to the community as far as their um, activity center is always donated. And their concerns of the community have always been more than you've just told me. Uh, A lot of people, I'm sure, are not terribly familiar with the education about Isaac Walton League, so we'll change that today. Well, thank you. Uh, I like to hear this. Um, I live in in an area myself. I I know I've been studying nature, and I'm the founder of a company that goes worldwide and studies with water and hydrotherapy, but... I know that uh, in the area I'm living, the mountains and the trees and the valleys and the rivers and the lakes, we're in the, we're in the Crater Lake State. Uh, we're in the famous river uh, of the, of, uh, the Willamette and, and the Rogue River where I sit and the beautiful mountain ranges and our love 
of, and even our forestry and our uh, timber industry loves this forest. And a lot of people, Nancy, through the years thought, oh, well, the timber industry couldn't love the forest. They do love the forest. They have a tremendous amount of love and, and mission statement and giving to the forest. They always have. It's been much misunderstood. So now tell me about uh, the Isaac Walton League, let's say, in different states. Does almost every state have an Isaac Walton League, or has this become a, t- a time in history where it's not as well um, understood? There are several um, states that do have Isaac Walton League chapters and divisions. Not every state does, mm-hmm. um, but most states um, have some members, and some of some states have a large contingency. We have quite a few out on the East Coast, and we have a very large um, membership base in the Midwest as well. Um, so we are we are scattered around, and as you pointed out, um, there are sometimes local lodges or local chapter houses where members will hold um, a shooting sports day where they introduce youth to um, shooting or to fishing um, uh-huh. or to stream uh, water quality sampling. Uh-huh. So some of those properties that the Isaac Walton League holds as chapters around the country uh-huh. give local communities a chance to come out and, and participate in learning about nature, too. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you do in the country to educate uh, the mission of the Isaac Walton League? Education is a huge part, I guess, of any grassroots organization. Our members are often our best educators. When I go to a meeting uh, to talk to members, sometimes I learn more than when I walked in the door. Mm-hmm. But um, certainly we have a staff of um, professionals both here in the Midwest and on the East Coast, and we work on policy issues that uh, we feel represent the league's interest, member interests. They are wide-ranging. They range from, uh, for example, working on the current farm bill, the reauthorization of the federal farm bill, which has a huge impact on our natural resources. Now explain that to us. What does that mean um, they're working on the farm bill? What are, what are they actually doing? What's well, the, they're trying the to influence how the farm bill is written so that um, the provisions or the parts of the farm bill that uh, provide protection for sensitive rural lands are uh, increased. Um, so meaning when the farm bill comes up every year and Congress decides, here's how we're going to deal with our farmlands, here's how we're going to give subsidies to um, farmers uh, mm-hmm. for growing various crops or for setting aside fragile lands. And so the League is most interested in that case of making sure that there are good policy pieces in place in that farm bill mm-hmm. to preserve those sensitive lands. Mm-hmm. We also work on... Um, global warming issues, mm-hmm. we work on public lands issues, um, it, the range is pretty wide. Mm-hmm. Now, when, uh, let's start with number one there with this farm subsi- uh, subsidies. Let's say they would go in and do uh, some research. Now, who does the research? They, they have contributions that hire authorities to go do research? Uh, you mean the Isaac Walton League uh-huh. does? Mm-hmm. Well, certainly we... Um, we have staff on hand that are very knowledgeable. I'm, this isn't my particular area of expertise, so I'll 
answer as best I can, but mm-hmm. um, we do have staff that have been working on farm issues for a number of years, and not only do we ourselves have an understanding, but we collaborate with others mm-hmm. that are working to achieve similar results. Um, and so I think many advocacy groups work in a collaborative fashion. We are not so well funded that we can all have research scientists in our mm-hmm. staff, mm-hmm. but when we join forces with other groups, mm-hmm. we can also uh, pool our resources that way. Okay. Let's say an example, because the, re- the world is listening to us. This is a worldwide show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in America... When the Isaac Walton League is getting ready for um, the um, uh, what's happening in the government with land use or let's say farmland planning, what would be a case scenario? Let's say there's a farmer that there's different farms in an area that have been pl- uh, farming or ranching or um, providing a uh, uh, let's say almost agriculture to the uh, uh, to the area. Uh, let's, well, the, then they come in and they decide if, if this is going to be best used uh, for the ongoing purposes um, uh, for the farmer to be able to use the water. Is that the case? Yes, I think um, much of what happens in agricultural, and again, this isn't my area of expertise, mm-hmm. but much of what happens on the agricultural landscape is dictated by federal farm policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to the extent that there are farmers um, who appreciate and want to preserve farmland, fragile farmlands, who Mm -hmm. maybe want to take them out of farming and set them aside, um, those are the kinds of programs that the League works on. And we use champions within the farming community Mm -hmm. that understand the value Mm -hmm. of making those kinds of changes on the agricultural landscape. Um, We had a series of meetings throughout the Midwest this last winter to talk with farmers about the importance of these um, changes going forward. Mm -hmm. My expertise with the League really relies more on um, the global warming piece, the energy sustainable energy piece. Okay, we'll get into that then. Okay. Um, and now we've understood a little bit of your uh, different focuses, though. You have different focuses in within your league, mm-hmm. so we understand Definitely. the league. Uh, the uh, Isaac Walton League's mission. Uh, so your particular focus, is, which is one of my favorites anyway, is uh, what's happening with the global warming and, and air. Tell us what you've been learning about global warming. The implications of global warming on, as you pointed out in your introduction, human life and on planetary life and on wildlife Mm -hmm. are immense because Mm -hmm. the changes underway today are unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And for years, uh, I think there were many of us who worked hard to uh, convince people that, in fact, change was happening the scientific community was working to try to study this, and as of uh, really a year ago, the scientific consensus has emerged very strongly that humans are having an effect on our climate and that that trend is towards warming How up the climate. How much did you find uh, with your um, knowledge that you could r- document that what, what percentage is it is of human, because um, I work with scientists, 
and we've had a lot of scientists on the show, uh, what was the human uh, impact? What was the percentage? Well, the the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is the international organization of scientists that have come together mm-hmm. to work on climate change, now say with 90% certainty that the warming that has occurred in the last half century is attributable to human activities, that okay. primarily through land use changes and the use of energy um, when we release global warming. Okay, I'm going to ask you uh, one, if you can, maybe, and if you can't answer it, we could do another show, of course. Um, when they say human activity, let's say we're all living on a planet, we're sharing this planet, then we've got other countries of the world, they're human, the human activity, and of course that all affects the ecosystem wherever wherever the human activity may be. Uh, where did you find the most human impact was coming from? The, prim- the primary um, source of global warming pollution is coming from our use of energy. It's when we burn fossil fuels and we release as a byproduct that carbon dioxide, that heat-trapping gas into the atmosphere. That's the principal source. Now they were able to prove without a doubt that 90% of that is that kind of impact. Right. Okay. That the, well, that the warming that's occurred in the last half century, uh-huh. the trend, the increasing trend in temperatures mm-hmm. that with a Now, 90- what, what did you compare that to, and how far back do you have your dates? Do you know? Uh, do you have any information there? Well, the... Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has been looking at all kinds of data, temperature data, as far back as, as records go. And but what all, was that beginning so our listeners around the world would know? Well, I'm not exactly sure. I'm sure it was in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, they've been able to go back and look at samples of ice core and um, determine carbon dioxide level concentrations in those ice cores mm-hmm. and show that over hundreds of thousands of years, the concentrations of uh, carbon dioxide in the atmosphere mm-hmm. have increased. Would uh, anything by chance be uh, studied, and, and, and again, we can do another show with questions, but when you're studying that impact, uh, we'll say that's a human impact. And Earth has changed from the beginning of time. We have scientists, as you know, that are very prestigious who say Earth began to change the moment the moment it began. There's a moment to moment. Every moment is a change. Mm-hmm. Um, and the human impact now that's being evaluated. And let's say it's a theory. And, and as you know as well as I, any scientist would know, say this, it's a theory right now because everybody is kind of guessing a little bit because it is so important to make sure you're right, and it doesn't, and you shouldn't go later than it's kind of like anything else that you're a little concerned about. It's better not just to wait to see. Start studying the evaluation so you're ahead of the game in case you're right at all. Um, have you found that there's any particular impact anywhere in the world other than your lot, the common sense of where we're sitting here in North America? Where they've studied um, or seen the impact? On- uh-huh. Because well, Earth affects each other. It's not just coming from North America. It's all right. over the world. Right. Well, and I think what scientists are finding now is that the warming and the changing in the polar ice caps is occurring 
more rapidly than even they had earlier predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is also changing how scientists are thinking mm-hmm. about the rate of warming and what we've already committed to in terms of a warmer planet. Mm-hmm. And certainly those polar ice caps affect sea levels and mm-hmm. they affect sea currents, mm-hmm. and um, which, of course, affects our weather. And so I think um, what's been important about the year 2007 and moving forward is the more... Uh, consensus that has been built within the scientific community mm-hmm. about the nature of the change that we are experiencing. Nancy, we're going to listen to our sponsor, and we're going to come back, and we're going to discuss that, uh, and then we'll get into clean air All right. and what you've been learning about, because that is one of our, our research projects, too, is the air you're breathing and what is causing the problems at your health. Uh, Nancy, we'll be right back. Okay. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. We're talking to Nancy Lang today uh, about, uh, with from the Isaac Walton League, which is out of Minnesota about clean air and what is happening with the impact of human um, impact on the earth we're living and the planet. Uh, Nancy, when we took our moment there, you mentioned something about the impact on uh, the ice, uh, there, uh, the different up at uh, the Antarctica ice. We've been hearing a lot about this, the melting. Mm-hmm. And before we move into the clean air side, uh, and I'll tell you where I was coming from in a minute, but what are you learning with your reports that is causing that? Because we had some reports that came in that said there's been so much snow going on for so long that that particular snow level that's on top of the ice has been causing a condensation, almost like an igloo. In other words, you walk in, and why is it not so cold on the inside of that igloo made out of ice? but because the impact of that snow on top of the ice causing a condensation, that would also cause melting. Uh, so it would be a package of problems, uh, man uh, causing some, and then also the climate ch- uh, changing, uh, and like it does forever, um, change. Have you learned anything about that at all? Well, you know, I wish I could be more um, definitive for you. I'm not a, okay. a climate scientist That's about okay. the polar, the polar situation mm-hmm. in the region. Um, so we're hearing uh, different re- reports that you're getting. Yeah, yeah. Now let's go into uh, the air. Uh, you know, Nancy, uh, my field has been <clears throat> for many, many years 
concerned about the dry air. And indoor conditions example, forced air, heating, cooling, insulated windows and walls, and chemistry in our fabrics and our detergents and our paints and all the electrical lighting inside and all causes a very severe dehydration. And our show has been teaching people that the moment you were born, you left your mother's bag, a water bag and entered in the air. At that moment, you began the moment of dehydration as a person. No two fingerprints alike, no two eyes alike. Now they're finding the texture on all complexions of the skin to be different. They're using it for security reasons because of the eyes, the fingerprints, and the skin on the face are different. What are you finding that, uh, of your reports that is happening to the air we're breathing? The air quality, you're right. There are indoor air concerns, and when I worked for the American Lung Association a number of years ago, that was my um, kind of specialty area that I worked on was the indoor air pollution. Oh, good thing. Oh, I'm glad you told us that. Yeah, and then also, of course, is the outdoor air we breathe. And in many respects, um, there have been big improvements in our outdoor air quality. The laws that were passed in the 1990s, the Clean Air Act, um, mm-hmm. to require power plants to clean up, mm-hmm. um, have reduced things mm-hmm. that contribute to soot and acid rain and ozone. At the same time, we've got um, new challenges in our outdoor air quality. We have, of course, more vehicles on the road, um, more vehicles traveled. We've got cleaner cars. But um, we are still seeing many areas of the country where the air quality is not very healthy to breathe. Mm-hmm. And we're finding out that um, diesel emissions, for example, from diesel trucks and trains and boats um, that aren't using the latest equipment uh, can contribute very substantially to harmful health pollution for people with cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. And so our air in many ways is cleaner, and our air is still challenged in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, one well, of I have found, and I would like to lead into one of your sides there, is the indoor conditions. And now we could go outside and force a lot of issues in time because the companies do care. I'm one of those believers in this country um, Nancy, uh, that our corporations do care about life, and they're very concerning. And there's no place you can go in the world that finds the businesses caring more about the people that are living in their communities and their life where they're at than our companies are in the world. I'm convinced of that. Uh, My concerns is what are we going to do with the indoor conditions because nobody's even discussing it, Nancy. Well, certainly the indoor conditions... um kind of come and go with favor. I mean, I know several years ago there was a lot of concern about radon as a radioactive gas that was getting into people's homes. Um, You know, we hear less about that now. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a time where there was a lot of concern about mold in people's houses because of how they were being built um, and how the air exchange had been limited so that there was moisture buildup inside people's homes. Mm-hmm. Um, people are also using um, chemicals in their homes to clean. And well, what about those the insulation, um, insulated windows and walls? There's no breath. Well, that's what I was referring to with yeah. um, some of the moisture problems in homes. They're finding that um, building homes without an adequate 
exchange of air. Um, and moisture, you need to have um, our research, without a doubt, it's proven with a fact that you must have moisture and that you don't see, Nancy, in the air. And you had to learn one of my future uh, projects in our company is going to be studying those lungs because it requires moisture. Mm-hmm. And um, people are so dehydrated. We've even had our surgeons say that when you go to have an operation <clears throat> on a patient, they can't believe how dry they are when they go to operate. Um, people are, why is there a virus? There's more dehydration going on. Why so many allergies? Uh, why the anxieties and the stress attacks and so on? People, every single person has to have a different moisture level. Uh, moisture in the air that you don't see is vital to the level of absorption that the body, the organism must live on, that the moisture you don't see. You can't t- soak or drink, you should be drinking 10, 12, 16 glasses of water a day to keep up with it. But you, you need more moisture in the air to survive. And who do we know which person that is? That's not a study enough yet. But that insulated windows and walls and the forest air heating and cooling, it takes all the moisture out of the air. Well, particularly in a cold climate like Minnesota where you're already starting with a very dry winter air, mm-hmm. I know many people do have um, humidification systems that they mm-hmm. have on their furnaces um, to try to supplement mm-hmm. that. And um, we all feel it in our skin in the winter and uh, breathe. Your lungs, you know, your, skin, your lungs need your skin. Mm-hmm. And if you were with the Lung Society, their foundation group um, uh, research there, you know that all of the breathing of your lungs comes with the skin. And you need to drink a lot of water. And uh, without drinking a lot of water, the moisture that's in the air for your lungs and your skin to breathe, you can see the tension in the organism of the skin and the muscles and the nerve endings, Nancy. It, it's just that, that it, it is a clean air problem. It is a problem, but it is also so dry indoors. Now, to move outdoors <clears throat> to other parts of the world, has the Icy Walton League ever gone to other parts of the world and done some research other than just North America? Uh, primarily, we've existed and acted in North America. We do have some staff that has gone to the Philippines and worked with um, some local communities there on Mm -hmm. sustainability projects, um, Mm -hmm. setting up maybe a more sustainable um, system within a local rural community, although I am not the person who was fortunate enough to do that, so I can't speak a lot about that program. Uh Well, before we're done today, let's talk about some of your favorite things that you'd like for the listeners to hear. Well, I think one of my areas of interest that I've been focusing on lately is looking at what uh, a warmer planet and climate here in the Midwest means for our treasured wildlife and our treasured forests. Oh, good topic. um, Certainly we have in Minnesota some very beautiful landscapes of prairies and northern pine forests, and Mm -hmm. we have some very unique animals. We have moose that live way up in the northern part of the state, and Mm -hmm. we have pheasants that live way down in the southern part of our state. And Mm -hmm. what's been interesting for me is to understand that as the climate warms, um, many of these animals will need to shift. They'll Mm -hmm. need to shift up and northward to places where they can find a habitat that's comfortable for them. 
Mm-hmm. And it's funny, uh, somebody told me that while scientists were debating whether climate change was happening, all we had to do was watch what was happening to the possums. Yeah, exactly. In fact, scientists do say that watching the animal habitat yeah, is very fascinating because you can see where they're changing. Yeah, and the possums uh-huh. didn't used to be found in Minnesota, and now we see them. And mm-hmm. somebody said, you know, the debate, we could have had it settled a long time ago. We had just been <laughs> observing what the possums were doing. That is in the other part. <laughs> so you have, we have them in Oregon, too. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Is that new to Oregon? Or no. That, they're just always been there. Now, you know, have you ever been to Oregon? Yes, I have. It's full of mountains, all kinds of mountains, and lots of water, too. It's a beautiful state. Yeah, it is. It is I've, um, <clears throat> excuse my voice. Yes, it is a beautiful state, but so is Minnesota. I've been there, and uh, it is gorgeous. Now, the lakes that influence you there, what are the name of the lakes? Well, of course, we are bordered by the Great Lake of Lake Superior up on our northeast portion of our state, and we have um, really 12,000 inland lakes across our state. 12,000? Mm-hmm. Oh we do, and some of them are very large, and some of them are very uh, tiny little lakes, but they've been all counted, and uh-huh. uh, that's another resource that as we think about a warmer climate is of big concern to Minnesotans is what what will happen to our lakes, and Lake Superior mm-hmm. actually has been warming at a rate um, twice as fast as the air temperature. Mm-hmm. Scientists have been trying to figure out why is Lake Superior warming even mm-hmm. faster than the air, mm-hmm. um, that partially think because the ice cover has diminished. Mm-hmm. We've had ice yeah. fishing contests that have been canceled just because the ice isn't getting thick enough anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that so, climate change. Now, you're influenced, those lakes are very much influenced by Canada, too. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, we appreciated all your time, and oh, I know you. we could have another show, because once we hang up, you'll think, I wish we would have discussed some other things also, because the time does go fast. But I think Isaac Walton League being in Minnesota and the emphasis of the members is, is absolutely a, a higher plan of mission. So we wish you well. Thank you. And anything we can ever do to post anything, uh, please let us know. And you keep up your good work. It sounds like you've got a lot of, uh, I, I really and recognized your uh, dedication and your tone of voice, Nancy. So, oh, well, thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to visit with you today. And you tell everyone we said hello. Okay. Have thank a nice you. day. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, isn't that interesting? Here in North America, uh, there's an organization called the Isaac Walton League. And they care, and they're giving a lot of time to their with their organization to care about the nature of our lives, and that is what is so important. And the global climate change and our planet Earth. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we're going to be right back with another dedicated group, and it's going to be with uh, Mark Lowe, who's the executive director of the Lava Hot Springs Foundation, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. 
All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. We want to invite you to listen to, uh, to our second guest, Mark Lowe. Are you with us? Yes, I am, Sharon. Mark, how are you today? I'm wonderful. It's a beautiful day out. Uh, couldn't be better. Well, wonderful. And you're sitting in Idaho. Yes, in Lava Hot Springs, Idaho. It's in the uh, extreme southeastern corner, uh, just several miles from where the Wasatch Mountain Range comes to an end and, and the Rocky Mountain, you know, they toe in with the Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful area, about 5,000 feet elevation, and, and mm-hmm. we're still snow-covered and, like I say, the sun's shining today, and it's just gorgeous out. You're not far from Boise, Idaho. Well, we're uh, pretty close to 300 miles from Boise. Boy, okay, Boise State. Yes. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I'm an alumnus of uh, Idaho State, so that's, you are? that's a sore, sore spot there. Yeah, I have a very close, dear friend who's a professor there, Dr. Julia Oxford, and she loves it because you can walk out, listeners should know this, you can walk out the door there and go fishing. Yes. <laughs> you heard about our our, form, our earlier guest with the Isaac Walton League. And yes, I did. originated with fishermen and nature, people who are very much into the nature of, of fishing and more in their lives and probably hunting too. But um, I know Dr. Oxford, loves, she loves to fish, and she can go out on her break and go fishing. <laughs> Yes, I, I used to work for the uh, Department of Environmental Quality, and, and after I came to work here in Lava Hot Springs, which is my hometown uh, mm-hmm. from many years ago, uh, I used to take great delight in, the, in sending emails at 1 o'clock saying, oh, I just got off my lunch break, and I got a, <laughs> a, a hat trick today. I cut a rainbow, a, a uh-huh. brown, and a native cutthroat. So. Uh-huh, that's what Dr. Oxford does, too. <laughs> Well, I'm sitting in southern Oregon. Have you ever been to Oregon before? Yes. yes. Okay, I'm in the Grants Pass and where the Rogue River is at. And uh, literally over the lawns here where our campus is at, we can, uh, our research center and where I'm at, you can walk in, the fishermen as we speak, because it's the fishing season going on here and lots of guy, river guides are out there. wanted to talk to you about um, your hot springs there in um, Lava Hot Springs, Idaho. Now, uh, tell us about what a hot springs is, because a lot of times people will be listening all over the world and not understand what it means, hot springs, and then we'll find out how it was discovered. Okay. Uh, the hot springs here in Lava, <clears throat> Lava, we call it Lava for short, just because Lava Hot Springs takes longer to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but here in, in Lava Hot Springs, our hot springs um, are very unique in that um, the reason that they are here is they're right on a uh, earthquake fault line or a seismic fault line, mm-hmm. and and the the groundwater has gone down deep enough towards the earth, earth's core, and this obviously is a is a fairly active uh, geologic area. Uh, we're not that far from Yellowstone National Park, and um, the the Great Rift uh, out on the desert uh, with a lot of lava flows and and seismic activity and geologic um, activity in this area, but that water's got down 
deep enough that it has picked up the heat off of that molten magma, but it hasn't come in contact with it. And it's traveled along and hits that fault line and comes straight up. Uh, you go very much further one direction or another, and there's not a lot of hot water mm-hmm. you know, in this, in this area. The really unique part uh, of, of our hot springs themselves our, our pools are built right over the springs. The water is not manipulated uh, other than contained in the pools. It's not piped from someplace else. It's not cooled down. It's not warmed up. So what is it, the temperature of the water? The water comes in right at 112 degrees. 112. And then it cools down naturally as it flows through our pools down to about 105 degrees. When you say pool, so there's more than one pool. Yes, we have uh, two large pools, and they're all outdoors, open to the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then there are two smaller jacuzzi pools that we actually do pull the water out with a pump and then put them in through uh, jacuzzi jets that, that give that, that jet treatment. And they call this rather than, what is the water called uh, when it comes up that way? Is there a particular name for that world? It, it's spring water. Spring uh, water. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, you know, hot mineral spring water. Okay, and it's heavy minerals? It's got quite a bit of mineral in it. Uh, there is an analysis. We've got a chemical analysis of that posted on our website uh, at lavahotsprings.com. You know, for those that are interested, can see some pictures of those pools. The the one uh, fairly unique thing about those pools is since they are built over those springs, obviously the bottom of the pools are not concrete. Uh, they're actually when I was a kid, we always called them the mud baths because there was still a lot of muddy bottom on them. Uh, mm-hmm. We import in gravel to put over the top of that mud, that over the felt. earth, yeah. so the mud doesn't keep getting re-entrained and, and foul the water okay. as it flows out, so the water stays nice and crystal clear. Uh-huh. Uh, plus, you get to walk on this nice uh, pea gravel. It's almost mm-hmm. like a foot massage as you're going along. It's probably like a vision of dream, uh, going oh, into a spring water where it uh, it isn't a swimming pool, it feels like it's, it is a product of nature, which it is. Right. You kept exactly. the nature of the pool. Yeah. The, the other really unique and, and just wonderful thing about this water is, I mentioned it got down very close to the, to the hot magma, mm-hmm. but it doesn't come in contact with that molten lava, so it doesn't pick up any hydrogen sulfide gas. So it's really sweet water. There's no odor to it at all. Uh, now, when you say sweet water, what does that mean? Uh, to me, the sweet water is is it hasn't got that that uh, hydrogen sulfide I gas smell to it. It's just. Do you by chance know the average pH of the waters? The the pH is right around five point one. It's it's quite acidic. Uh huh. Which is also fairly unusual, and it causes us all sorts of uh, maintenance nightmares. In that, it'll suck the uh, the calcium out of mm-hmm. concrete, so we've we've lined the pools with rock mm-hmm. rather than. Mm-hmm. rather than concrete. I mean, now it's got I a concrete that... base in back of it. But Now, I noticed that when I was reading literature about the springs, is um, it, was it founded by the Shoshone and Bannock people, or was uh, who, who were the founders of it? Well, the Native Americans came through this area. I mean, obviously, they were all through this area being nomadic tribesmen uh, up and down in uh, this whole area. And... and um, not unlike now, you know, they enjoyed soaking in the hot water. And but they didn't understand, of course. They just knew it was amazing. <laughs> oh. Well, and being so I, hot, I th- how did they I think they had a very, very much had a, a deep appreciation for uh-huh. the water and what, it, what 
attributes it has, you know, so far as relaxation, it's a great way to to sit and and meditate. And you know, they use would would come in and, and perform some religious rites. I was started to say you took the words right out yeah. of my mouth. And, and, you know, um, and that's still say, ongoing. I'll bet and not, there is a lot of faith and religious. Uh, uh, um, ceremonies around your springs there. Sure, sure, and uh, and it's not just confined to the Native Americans or the Native American Church either. You know, it's uh, people of all walks of life, whether they do it uh, formally and consciously. But there is a lot of you know just introspection that will go along with sitting in the hot water and and, and feeling the the power of that water and the, and the. Water does have a power. Oh, it definitely does. You've heard about my life. Uh, I, that's my my whole field, and our company is studying water hydrotherapy and the benefit of it, but using it more like for portable uh, means, in other words, carried around with you because the air is so dry and the earth is changing so much. Now, I wanted to ask you, because uh, when I was studying this, I got to remembering our President Roosevelt uh, had to go because of his crippling um, um, mm-hmm. illness. Yeah, he was down at Warm Springs, Georgia. He went to Warm Springs, Georgia, but did he ever get over to yours? Uh, not to my knowledge, no. Okay. I, I think his, his uh, cousin Teddy Roosevelt was in this area much more closely than he was. Okay, and, I'm going to ask To my knowledge, Teddy Roosevelt wasn't here either. I know, because he really did utilize the springs, the hot springs, for yes. his uh, crippling um, um, illness. Then I was going to ask you also, Europeans, you must have had a lot of Europeans way back in time, because I know of one particular, uh, Dr. Robert Wallace, who is a physicist in France. He lived there. His father was a doctor, and they traveled. he traveled as a young man with his father all over the world for the pristine waters and studied them and knowing that there is no life without water. And uh, did you have a lot of Europeans come into your area way back in time because they appreciated water and still do to this day by far more than we have over here? Oh, we we get European visitors uh, all year long. All year round. Yeah, and, and to my knowledge, you know, we we've got them since you know since the railroad came through in the 1870s. Um, this this has been a, a, a favorite stop. Um, for for the travelers coming through the area, not so much in the the Oregon Trail. We're kind of sandwiched between the Oregon Trail and the in the California Trail, mm-hmm. um, but we didn't get a lot of those visitors coming through the area just mm-hmm. because typically it was middle of July, and mm-hmm. I think they were in a hurry to get to over to your country. Now let's say a person wants to come there and and make it a a tour of doing something other than just coming there. Uh, where would they, let's say, where would they start? Uh, let's say they flew in someplace and rented a car. Where would they fly into? You can fly into Pocatello, Idaho, uh, which is only 30 miles away from Lava Hot Springs. It, it has connector flights into the major airlines out of Salt Lake and, and Boise. Uh, Salt Lake City, Utah is two hours and 15 minutes away from us. Uh, okay. So, um, and, and I don't want to discourage people from checking into flying into Pocatello, mm-hmm. but uh, the Delta Airlines has a major hub in Salt Lake City, and, and like I say, it's only two hours away. And they can rent a car and enjoy the beautiful uh, mountain ranges and travel. Right, right. Uh, and there, there's, I mean, like I said, we're right on the Oregon Trail. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a wonderful Oregon Trail Center uh, mm-hmm. over in Montpelier, Idaho, which is about 50 miles away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soda Springs, Idaho, 20 miles away, has the world's only captive geyser. Mm-hmm. And you can actually get up and play in this geyser as it goes off uh, every hour on the hour because mm-hmm. uh, the water is only 70 degrees warm. It's actually <laughs> carbonated. Yeah, hundred carbonated water that goes degrees. off instead of, of heat-induced geyser. Uh-huh. Now, before I we it's all, we don't have much time. I was going to ask you: Do you have a lot of doctors or medical people recommend that people come to the hot springs? Uh, we. I, I, they should be. Well, should there be, are, but... and a lot of it is, uh, especially now you get hip and knee replacement surgeries, right. mm-hmm. uh, things along those lines, because people can get in, the water uh, relaxes those muscles, and and the buoyancy of the water takes the weight off of those joints, mm-hmm. so it's, mm-hmm. it's really good therapy. A lot of people will come over and use it for uh, rheumatic, uh, or not, rheumatoid arthritis, yes. arthritis types, um, bad backs, bad necks. Uh, one old sheep herder when I was a kid always says, oh, it'll cure your glaucoma, you know, mm-hmm. put it in my eyes and got rid of my cataracts. And, mm-hmm. you know, I said, okay, yeah, next year. Well, well, what that does mean, though, and that's my field, is when the body temperature is 98 degrees and when you are uh, into a hot tub and, and that particular analysis of water, it will begin to open up the pores and, and, and let it absorb moisture in, let it absorb detoxification out, and uh, it becomes a healing factor. And uh, our society hasn't done, uh, we, we left it behind. Do you remember the old uh, Finnish uh, sauna? Do you oh, remember sure. the Japanese hot tub? Do you remember the Roman bath? The, all of the worlds that believed in waters were the cure of all before we got into this patented chemistry formulations that we thought, well, we could get a quick fix. But actually, water works faster if you include it. And, I, I, uh, I believe so. Um, that you had to hear some very amazing reports. You can call them anecdotal, but uh, people have known that hydrotherapy is a miracle worker forever. And that miracle has to be brought back to everything we're doing now. And uh, we can't pipe what you have into these different states. But the more people know about what you offer, uh, people can come and get a hydrotherapy uh, for some of the symptoms that they think that it might work. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think it, it, everybody takes something away from here when, they, when they've soaked in these waters, but I think it is much more effective with uh, a concentrated uh, thought process of, of, yeah, if you've got a bad back or a bad hip, um, of of concentrating on that ailment and what you're wanting the water to do while you're in the water, I think focuses it that much more. Also, well, and also other... stress release. Stress oh, release. yes. <laughs> the greatest, ad, you know, the greatest diagnosis in the world and symptom and the most common is tension, stress, yes. anxiety, yes, uh, uh, lack of productivity because you're tired. Um, we need that hydrotherapy. Now, before we leave, we only have a couple of minutes. Tell us about your foundation. Well, the foundation is kind of a misnomer by modern terms. Mm -hmm. The the Lava Hot Springs Foundation was created by the Idaho legislature in 1919 Mm -hmm. uh, and called the foundation were actually a state agency. Mm -hmm. This, This ground... There's 
these 180 acres here is owned by the state of Idaho and okay. operated by the state of Idaho. Okay. And they call us the Lava Hot Springs Foundation because that's what they named us in 1919. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Rather, rather than, you know, that's that's basically just our name and our function. Well, it's the foundation of a beginning of something. Yes. <laughs> In modern for, times, it has another meaning. But yeah, yeah. It, it, and we do get people that will call Building a foundation in. of the future of something big. Yeah. So yeah. is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Uh, the only thing I would would like to put out again is if if people are interested and want to take another look at it uh, obviously they have have internet capabilities is just mm-hmm. take a look at our website at lavahotsprings.com mm-hmm. uh and see what there is to offer here we've got a lot of amenities here in town this the, the community is only 500 people oh my population. i like it <laughs> and you know our our hot springs we've got two and a half million gallons of water a day flow through those pools uh-huh. It only takes about two hours, and all the water that are in the pools is gone, and it's been replay, replaced and replaced. So every every two hours, how much goes through there? Uh, every two hours. Well, I didn't. I two, did know. you save two or ten? Every two hours, the water is completely replenished. Replenished by how many gallons? Well, two and a half million gallons of water a day. Oh my goodness! So it's 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 just. A wonderful, and it's recycling going back into it nature, goes, it and it flows comes back out into back the through like river. a like a uh, filtration. Yes, yes. Well, I want to thank you, Mark, for your time that you're giving there, and I know my listeners are going to be very fascinated from all over the world. Great. We hope you have to a see nice day, and here. tell everyone we said hello. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, did you listen to that, listeners, that uh, hydrotherapy, and there, there is therapeutic um, benefits out in the world, and I like to have these on the show because there's places to go to really enjoy some of the therapeutic methods uh, of thinking about. Did you know I needed to tell you, too, is when you take a shower, that's only rinsing. When you have a bath, That's detoxification, opening the pores of the skin and cleansing out. So if you don't feel good for that moment or that day or you think you might have a virus coming on or some allergy, go take a hot Epsom salts bath that night. And if you feel like you've got a virus coming on and it doesn't want to go away, maybe take two that night. Don't think you could overdo it. Get rid of it. Let the toxin come through the skin. Remember, a hot bath is a cleanser. Showers only rinse you. Drink a lot of water, 10, if you don't feel well, have 10 to 12 glasses that day and make it more warm, put some lemon in it or lime in it or orange rinds or whatever, but get enough water in you because the viruses are going around and so much is happening in our air, it is dry. And remember, it's the water, it's the water, it's the water and uh, that's what this show is all about. And we want to make some common sense, but we want you to be interested in evaluating what you want for your life and your health. And remember, that can affect somebody else's health. I think you need to know that if you feel dry, you don't have enough water. You've got a headache, not enough water. Anxiety, not enough water. Dry mouth, dry skin, your dry eyes, especially that eyelid lifting, and not enough moisture in the eye because that is what causes dry eye. And every five seconds, someone is going blind on this earth. There is a secret. Embrace your life every single moment. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Have a nice day. 